Glenn Youngkin scored a major upset in Virginia, winning back the governor's mansion for Republicans on a sophisticated campaign focused on education, parental rights, and a return to normal from the public health tyranny of the past 600 days. He ran on a culture war conservative campaign, bucking the usual Beltway GOP talking points. And from that shocking win, establishment Republicans have learned absolutely nothing. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Before we get to Virginia, we've got some breaking news that just came out, and it actually centers around the Daily Wire, and and it will have effects for basically everybody in this country. The Biden administration has just formalized its vaccine mandate rule. You remember they announced it months ago, but that was basically a press release. We didn't know when it was going to go into effect, what the rule is going to be. They just dropped a 490 page rule. This will require every company with more than hundred employees to force their employees to take the Fauci ouchie to, to violate either their religious con- conscience, possibly their medical prudence, their own personal medical decisions, or they're basically threatening these businesses with, with putting them out of business. The Daily Wire is suing the Biden administration. We have just moments ago filed a lawsuit. Uh, this has gone in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. Uh, we are absolutely not going to comply. I will tell you that this legal fight that we have just launched is going to be extremely expensive. Uh, we, we don't care. We're willing to risk it. We've built a very powerful machine here. We've built it thanks to you. We do need your support now. We need your support now more than ever before. If you want to be in the fight, if, you, if this matters to you, if you don't think that the Biden administration should be able to use this ridiculous workaround because they basically admitted they don't have the authority, the authority to do this. Joe Biden said on the campaign trail he wasn't going to be pushing vaccine mandates because it was unpopular and almost certainly unconstitutional. So what he did was this bizarre Byzantine workaround through the Occupational Safety and Health Administration to get private businesses to do their dirty work for them. And they know they're probably going to lose this in court. So they just want to force you to all get it before the, the courts rule against them. This is a very, very difficult, very expensive fight. It is thug tactics from a thug, crooked administration. We're not going to take it lying down, but we, we do need your support now more than ever. If you want to be in the fight with us, strongly suggest you do. This is the time to stand up, people. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code do not comply. Uh, Jeremy Boring has this to say about it. Again, this is just coming out from the press release. The Daily Wire will not comply with President Biden's tyrannical vaccine mandate. We are suing the Biden administration to put a stop to their gross overreach. President Biden, the federal government, social media, and the establishment media have conspired to rob Americans of their freedoms in the name of public health. They have broken faith with the American people through conflicting messaging, false information, and by suppressing data and perspectives with which they disagree. Uh, We are working with Harmeet Dillon. You may know Harmeet Dillon, very, very important, very good lawyer in this country. She says, quote, the federal government lacks the legal authority to compel private employers to play the role of vaccine or COVID police, lack the police power to force private employees to undergo medical treatment, and may not ignore constitutional limits on its ability to regulate every aspect of our lives. She goes on 
the Biden administration's attempt to impose this unprecedented and unlawful federal medical mandate on the U.S. workforce without considering the public's views is arbitrary, capricious, unsupported by the evidence, and would produce a willfully ignorant rule. Willful ignorance would seem to be the, the theme for the Biden administration. So right now, I mean, just this rule in, will affect 80 million workers or more, very possibly more than that. The Biden administration is, is n- not even pushing a constitutionally sound rule so much as they are attempting to intimidate you to take a shot, that you, an experimental shot, you know, a shot that was just developed not that long ago, even against your own judgment for a virus that for the vast majority of people does not pose a particularly grave threat. This is it, folks. You know, <laughs> there's, there is an expression that I really hate, but it comes up a lot and the squishes always bring it up. They say, do you really want to die on this hill? Oh, come on. You really want to die on this hill? This, come on, just give the left whatever they want and then we'll die on the next hill. You know, if you don't stand up on a hill, eventually you run out of hills to fight on and then it's over and then the battle's over and the fight's over. And so we made it very clear from the moment that the Biden administration announced they were going to do this, that we're not going to stand for it. We are not going to go down without a fight. We're very fortunate that we've built a strong platform here. We have built a strong platform with a strong voice that is posing a real threat to the Biden administration and to the the liberal ruling class more broadly. And so we're going to use it and it's not going to be easy. And I'm, I understand there are going to be a lot of companies that just kind of go along with it and they just don't want to have to deal with it. Okay. But we really believe this is the fight. This is the kind of thing that we built this company for. Okay. And if we don't stand up here, we're not going to stand up for anything. So we're going to do that. We're going to put ourselves on the line and we are going to lead the fight and we are going to sue the Biden administration. And we're going to take these jerks and crooks and bullies and thugs to court. And we're going to take it as far as it needs to go. And we need your support. Dailywire.com slash subscribe code. Do not comply. Do not let this moment pass without fighting back. Do not Tell your grandkids someday, ah, where was I during that big fight when the medical technocratic liberal tyranny finally quashed the last little bit of freedom and tradition we had in this country? Ah, well, I was cowering in a corner. Don't cower in a corner. Stand with us. Fight it. We appreciate your support. Back to Virginia. My favorite comment yesterday is from Alejandra Fernandez, who says, my three-year-old is listening to the podcast with me, and he started yelling, no more blah, blah, blah after he heard Greta Thunberg say it at the climate protest and he keeps shouting it, I'm dead. That is very meta. That is a very meta, sophisticated, insightful, young three-year-old boy of yours because there is the, the blah, blah, blah going on at the climate conference and then there is literally the blah, blah, blah that Greta and her followers were saying about the climate conference and then there is the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that your three-year-old is mocking. It's all a whole lot of blah, blah, blah coming from the liberal establishment, which is probably why our society is crumbling around us. Inflation is through the roof. And when inflation is going up, it's a good idea to start looking at physical gold, which is why I would strongly recommend you check out Acre. 
Acre lets you start investing in physical gold for as little as $30 a month. Before you call me a liar, before you tell me, Michael, gold, physical gold costs more than $30. I know it costs more than $30. I know in the past it's been hard to invest in physical gold with the change in your couch cushion. Acre has this ingenious way. You subscribe to their gold bars. When your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, Acre will discreetly ship the gold to your house. They've also got a new $100 a month subscription to a five gram gold bar. You don't need to come out of pocket all at once to acquire meaningful gold over time. Visit getacregold.com slash Knowles and start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to that URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar to qualify for the giveaway. Tweet or post why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com slash Knowles. Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. Republicans can't win for losing. They can't, they can't learn anything, seems to me. Major win in Virginia. Major, major win on a very specific issue, education, on these real culture war type issues, the crazy racial theories being pushed in schools, the crazy sexual theories being pushed in schools. This lunatic, Terry McAuliffe, this thug saying parents have no rights to raise their kids. And so here's the takeaway from the House GOP. This was the House Republican establishment Twitter account said, quote, and this is posting an article about Glenn Youngkin's win. Americans don't want socialism. Pass it on. That race had nothing to do with socialism. Pass it on. Pass it on. I hate socialism. I think socialism is a wicked confederacy, a pest, a plague that seeks to steal the very gospel itself. I don't think any Christian can subscribe even to moderate socialism. I am now just paraphrasing multiple popes, okay? It's a very, socialism is a really, really bad thing. Not every bad thing is socialism. Okay? It's like a square and a rectangle. All squares are rectangles. Not all rectangles are squares. All of socialism is bad. Not all bad things are socialism. What you think Terry McAuliffe is a socialist? Terry McAuliffe is a corrupt corporate democrat. He's a Clinton apparatchik. He did not run on socialism. The reason Glenn Young can beat him is not because of socialism. It's because of kooky racial theories that the left was pushing. It's because of psychotic sexual theories that the left was pushing. It's because of justice and the right to raise your kids. Socialism? No. Do you know why? The reason the establishment GOP talks about socialism is because it's perfectly safe. It's total. It's just, it's economic. Okay, and it's you don't have to touch on any of those culture war issues. No one's going to call you a racist or a sexist or a phobe or whatever for opposing socialism. But it completely misses the point. It completely misses what time it is, which is what we can expect from the establishment Republicans. It's pathetic, though. I don't know who wrote that tweet. Probably just some social media staffer. But this is the opinion of many in the establishment who don't want to talk about this stuff. Say, ooh, if we talk about critical race theory, gosh, maybe some people, people might call us racist. It won't be legit. It'll be total, but they might. And so, ugh, they call us sexist if we, or phobic if we talk about the trans issue. Let's not talk about the trans bathrooms. 
Let's not talk about the, the curricula that teach three-year-old Johnny that he can really be Jane. Let's not talk about the curricula now in, in schools across the country, and especially in Virginia, that say that white people are born evil and they're irredeemably evil and racist and bigoted. Let's, not t- let's just not touch that. Even though that's like the only thing that parents care about and the only thing that motivated this Yunkin victory, let's just not, uh, can we just please talk about socialism? No. Socialism is not the point. And it's not what we're fighting against. Yes, the horrible economic policies are bad. Yes, there are a handful of Democrats who call themselves socialists and who openly embrace it. But what we're fighting against is a corrupt liberal establishment, a techno public health bureaucratic crooked establishment that is pushing insane theories on people and taking your kids away. Focus on that. They're going to try to steal the Yunkin victory. I'm not talking about the Democrats. I'm talking about the establishment Republicans. They're going to try to steal it and say the way that we win in 2024 is by just running Mitt Romney 3.0, 4.0. How many times has Romney run at this point? The way that we win is just by talking about cutting corporate taxes. That's how we're, no, it's not. That's not how Youngkin won. That's not how we're going to win. Contrary to popular cowardice, the way you're going to win, the way you're going to sway the suburban voters, the suburban moms, And by the way, the way you're going to sway racial minorities, the ones that you're going to to win, the way you're going to sway ordinary people is not by talking about corporate tax cuts. It's going to be by talking about our kids and what the left is trying to do to our kids and the racial and sexual division they're pushing in this country and the way they're upending not just all of our American traditions and way of life, but our, our very understanding of nature itself. Take a lesson. Take a lesson, House GOP. This is tough love. I love you. You know, we're, we're in the same team and everything, but maybe pull out a notebook and take a lesson. Here's, here's a great article I read. This is my favorite, single favorite article from the Yunkin victory. I drove in this morning smoking a cigar. So I wanted to, I wanted to keep the celebration going. It's like 30 degrees here <laughs> when you're driving around Nashville. I don't care. Windows down, smoking the cigar. Headline is the Daily Wire. Hold on. I've got to, I've got to read this in a different way. Is the Daily Wire responsible for Glenn Youngkin's win? Well, what if we are? (laughs) Is the Daily Wire... Well, there's plenty of blame and credit to go around in any election. Many believe the election came down to one thing, a Daily Wire story. So what if, what if it did? (laughs) I wish I still had my cigar on me. That's how, that's how cool I feel. That's how cool I think a lot of us conservatives feel. Not not because we pulled some dirty trick, but because we exposed a real problem. There were multiple real problems going on in Virginia, specifically in Loudoun County. And they were really big stories that the New York Times and the Washington Post did not want to cover about kids being victimized in schools because of transgender policies, or at least the cover-up was because of transgender policies, about the, the kooky racial theories about all of it, about Terry McAuliffe saying parents have no right to their kids' education. And this is, this is the, my favorite part at the, at the end of the article. Oh, look, they quote me in the article. That's great. Glad they did. Many, this is the final line of the, the whole piece. Many consider it unethical for media outlets to function as an apparatus of a political campaign. First of all, the Daily Wire does not function as, a, as a, an apparatus of any political campaign. We do something that the left-wing media don't do. We actually just go report the stories and tell the truth. But if it is unethical 
for media outlets to function as an apparatus of a political campaign. Has someone considered telling CNN? Oh boy, someone should tell the New York Times and the Washington Post and ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, PBS, NPR, all of them beyond the media. How about Facebook? How about Twitter? How about Google? Which, especially during 2020, intervened in, in unprecedented ways to suppress bad news for Democrats and to promote bad news, even if it was fake news for Republicans. Yes, I think there, there is, look, I, I don't want Daily Wire to take all the credit for this, okay? Obviously, Glenn Youngkin ran a really good, really sophisticated campaign. Chris Rufo, for instance, set the stage on this education issue by, by really exposing people to critical race theory. Uh, the native Virginian, Matt Walsh, uh, you know, went to his school board in his state, Commonwealth, because he's a native Virginian. The parents are the one, the parents really did the yeoman's work. They're the ones who showed up to these school boards, right? We covered that story, but it was the parents who were leading the charge. It was the parents who made it a story, who, who refused to let these guys off the hook. And the libs could not be angrier about it. There's a lesson here. The lesson is not that we need to keep running against socialism. Yeah, run against socialism when socialism's on the ballot. But don't pretend that every bad thing is socialism. We need to just keep running on tax cuts and being really nice. No, no, that's not what happened. That's not how Youngkin won. You want the lesson for 2022? You want the lesson for 2024? Yeah, talk about the bad economy. Yeah, talk about the crazy COVID lockdowns. Yeah, talk about all of that. But focus on things that matter to people. I, look, I like low taxes. I do. I don't, I don't want my taxes to go up. I hate giving more money to the government. But if you told me, okay, Michael, the government's doing two things right now. They're going to raise your taxes a little bit, and they're also going to uh, pervert your child. It's not even close. It's not, I don't, who cares about the dollars and cents, man? We're talking about not only the, the person that I, <laughs> you know, am most interested in his future, but we're talking about the future of the country, okay? Focus on the things that matter. Grow a spine, Republicans. They don't see it. Maybe it's because there's all this horrible blue light coming off of their screens. Well, if you want to block out that blue light, I strongly recommend you check out Blue Blocks. Blue light hurts your head, okay? I don't know how to put it any more simply than that. I didn't really believe this a few years ago when, when a friend of mine first informed me of this. I said, oh, no, it's not a big deal, whatever. And then when you start blocking out that blue light, your eye strain goes way down. You can find yourself having less headaches, less blurred vision, less of those dry, watery eyes. It's amazing. I, I almost never look at a screen now with the blue light coming out, okay? Helps with anxiety, depression, can help with low energy. Unlike other types of blue light glasses, blue blocks are evidence-backed and made under optics laboratory conditions in Australia. Blue blocks was created to change all of this awful uh, blue light uh, damage and anxiety and all these problems. They use high quality lenses for daytime, nighttime, and for color therapy, exactly in line with peer-reviewed academic literature. Go check it out. They got super cool frames. Go to blueblocks.com slash Knowles right now. Use promo code Knowles at checkout to get 20% off. Enjoy free shipping on orders over 115 bucks. Get your energy back, sleep better, block out the unhealthy effects of blue light, with Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash Knowles, or just click the link below. Make sure to use the code Knowles to get 20% off your order and enjoy free shipping on orders over 115 bucks. B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com slash Knowles for 20% off today. Jameel Hill is some uh, left-wing blue check mark. She was responding 
to, as the left is wringing their hands and rending their garments and gnashing their teeth over the Yunkin victory in Virginia, uh, someone, another left-wing blue check, Sahil Kapoor goes, the story of tonight, McAuliffe is running a bit ahead of Biden among non-white voters in Virginia. He's behind a few with white men, but he's getting clobbered by white women. White women. And then Jameel Hill responds. She goes, white women reporting for duty. You, they did this in 2016. I said the white women, they did this in 2018, especially with the Stacey Abrams. The white women didn't show up for the Democrats like they're supposed to. We own those white women. They didn't show up. Hate those white women. They're so, oh, they're so white. Ah, evil. And white. And they're, ah, they're just stopping progress. They're terrorists. They're insurrectionists. They're a threat to our democracy. My response to Sahil Kapoor, Jameel Hill, all of the libs right now who are focusing all of their ire on white suburban women, keep it up. Oh, please keep it up. Please. Jameel, I I want you to run on this. I want all the libs to run on this in 2022 and 2024. Vote for us. We hate white women. Vote for us or else you're a racist. Vote for us. You're an evil insurrectionist. You awful white people. Please run on it. Please. Please. Didn't work out very well for you this time in Virginia, did it? The, the racial hatred that you are ginning up didn't work out very well for you, did it? In a blue state. So how's that going to work out in the midterms? How's that going to work out in 2020? I think that'll work out very well for us because the idiot establishment Republicans, they're, they're going to run the worst campaigns you can imagine. They are. They're going to run, mark my words, they're going to run on socialism. It's socialism. (laughs) Okay. So they're going to try to lose it basically. (laughs) They're not going to really, but they're going to do everything in their power to clutch defeat from the jaws of victory. So we're relying on you, Jamil. We're relying on you, Democrats. Please make this about pushing vicious racial theories and insane sexual theories. Make this about taking our kids away. Please, I beg you, it's going to make Virginia look like child's play. And it comes down to education because we, th- we view education in this narrow way of your reading, writing, and arithmetic in the classroom, but education is so much more. This is why since at least the 1960s, the left has been marching on all the political offices, marching on all the centers of political power, but they've also been really marching on the English department, right? They've been marching on the classrooms. Why did they make such a focus? about taking over the universities and the high schools and the middle schools and the elementary schools because they know that campuses and classrooms are a crystal ball. They're a crystal ball. They tell you what your country's going to look like in 20 years, right? They focus on these impressionable young minds because education is about making citizens. It's about giving us a certain understanding of our freedom. So if they can control that, they're going to control the country within a generation. That's what they have done. This is, this is why critical race theory, the way that history is taught, the way really that everything is taught is such a focus of theirs. Sonny Hostin, who is one of the cackling hens on The View, Sonny Hostin came out and, and said the CRT thing is, is really tough. We got to, the Democrats need to defend CRT. And she's just sorry if white kids feel a little bad about learning about systemic racism. 
Now the message is that white parents are being ignored when they complain that their children are uncomfortable learning about racism, that their white children don't want to be uncomfortable. Well, let me tell you something. Black kids around this country are stigmatized and are made to feel uncomfortable every single day. And I don't think it's too much to ask white parents to allow their children to learn about the very real history in this country that is still very prevalent, the systemic racism that is still very prevalent in our country. What is so wrong with learning the real history Absolutely. of our country? Let me take it into a, you know. Let me and take I'm it sorry if little white kids feel a little uncomfortable when they learn about it. So this is the, the left's line. They keep going back and forth. They keep saying CRT isn't real or CRT is only being taught at Harvard Law School, but it's not taught anywhere else. And then when that doesn't work, they say, actually, CRT is being taught everywhere and it's really good. And CRT is just about teaching the real history of slavery. Let me ask you something. When you went to school, assuming you're not, I know this audience has a huge age gap, you know, so there's, or a huge age range. So there are some people who are 12 years old listening to this show. There's some people who are 82 years old. For the people who are at the middle to older end of that age range before critical race theory came around, did you learn about slavery? Did you learn about slavery in the classroom? I bet you did. Did you learn about the Civil War? Did you learn about Jim Crow? Did you learn about Reconstruction? Did you learn about Civil Rights Movement? Yeah, of course you did. Of course you did. Learning about the history of slavery is not the same as critical race theory. Critical race theory is an analytical framework developed by Marx, explicitly by Marxists. A derivation of critical theory, which I write about at great length in my book, Speechless, that views America as intrinsically unjust, that views white supremacy as the defining characteristic of America that affects and pervades every aspect of life that views even our most basic economic system as a product of white supremacy, which is why it all needs to be ripped out root and branch. That's critical race theory. That's very different than learning about, hey, there was a slave trade. Actually, there was a slave trade in Africa that then Western colonists began to participate in, and that existed in America for a certain period of time, and actually much less time than it did virtually anywhere else in the world. And actually outside of the West, slavery continues to exist. It predated slavery in, in the West, or it was at least coterminous, and it has existed long after slavery in the West. Okay, the problem is not kids learning about the, the truth about our history. It's that CRT is teaching them falsehoods about our history, and it's teaching them falsehoods about systemic racism. You remember Ibram Kendi, the, the Mac Daddy hustler of, of CRT today, and these racial theories. Ibram Kendi had to delete his tweet because he realized his tweet a couple days ago undermined his entire thesis. He said there were a bunch of white kids who lied about their race on their college applications and pretended to be black or Native American, and they had an easier time getting into schools. And so he had to delete that because he said, oh, crap, I just totally undermined my theory. There is, syst- there is systemic racism. There's legal racism in this country, but it's not the kind that Sonny Hostin thinks it is. There is legal racism in this country against white people and Asian people when they apply to college and jobs. It's called affirmative action. Now, you might say, we support affirmative action. We support that racial discrimination to make up for whatever grievance there was in the past. Okay, fine. Well, then be honest about that view. But don't tell me that the legal racism in this country and racial discrimination is against black and Native American people. It's not. 
the legal racial discrimination is in favor of black and Native American and other people. And it is against white people and for whatever reason, Asian people. Okay. Now you might say, well, that's, that's just the legal racism, but there's a broader issue of systemic racism. This is what Ibram Kendi tried to do when he was doing damage control for his whole theory falling apart. He said, well, but there are, there are disparities of outcomes between white people in America and black people and Hispanic people and Asian people and Native American people. And so the only explanation for those disparities of outcomes is that white supremacy is, is keeping, keeping the black man and other people down. That's not, of course, that's not the only explanation. Here's a simple, I mean, this is the most basic one that, that I think is pretty undeniable. Uh, fatherlessness. Fatherlessness is a big predictor of your outcomes in life. And right now, 70% plus of black babies in America are born out of wedlock. That's, that would be one explanation. Decisions in certain communities. Culture in certain communities. That would be another one. There are other factors too. I'm not even, de- look, I'm a conservative. I'm not even denying that history has an impact on the present. I know some people try to pretend that history doesn't matter at all, even some people on the right, but I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is this specific theory that is being taught to kids of pervasive white supremacy and legal racism, it's just, it's just bogus. Throw that away with the Easter bunny and the tooth fairy, okay? That ain't real. And so we don't want our kids learning lies in school. We want them learning the truth. We don't even want them learning everything. You know, that, that's kind of the middle ground here is let's just teach them everything. Let's open up the curriculum. Let's just, and they can pick and they can choose. No, we just, let's just teach them how to think, not what to think. No, you got to teach people what to think. If you don't tell people what to think about the civil war began in 1860, that's telling people what to think. You got to teach them facts. Abraham Lincoln said this, he did this. It's teaching them what to think. And only then can they know how to think about these broader issues. And the problem right now is the left is teaching them what to think. And the things they're teaching them what to think about are false. They're lies. And so it's perverting the way that they come to think, how to think about the country. You know, the Daily Wire is doing everything possible to bring you the truth every single day, especially with our recent foray into investigative journalism. The talent of our journalists like Luke Rosiak, who is being blamed and given credit for the election in Virginia. Uh, This sort of stuff is uh, really important, okay? We watched that excellent work, the work of journalists like Chris Rufo, affecting real change in the Virginia election, which was a bloodbath. But investigative journalism is expensive, which is why so few media companies do that work. This is also why we need your support. For as little as four bucks a month, you can help us continue exposing the truth and reclaiming the narrative. If you want to join us in this fight, go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code REALNEWS to get your fix of real news today. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. The left's racial grievance narrative is false. That's why we want it out of the classroom. Not because we're afraid of our history, because it's just patently absurd. Here's the most preposterous example of it in recent days. Colin Kaepernick, you know, the whiny former football player who cashed in on racial grievance and made a gazillion dollars doing it. Colin Kaepernick has a movie out that opens up on him comparing 
playing in the National Football League to being a chattel slave. What they don't want you to understand is what's being established is a power dynamic. Before they put you on the field, teams poke, prod, and examine you, searching for any defect that might affect your performance. No boundary respected, no dignity left intact. So you see all these football players transformed into chattel slaves in the antebellum South and the NFL. They're just like the slave owners, slave auctions. Brings up a a pretty basic question. If the NFL is like a, an antebellum slave plantation, why has Colin Kaepernick spent the last six, seven years begging them to take him back? Why? If the NFL is slavery, then why has Colin Kaepernick been begging to be a slave and whining when they don't want to enslave him? Did did slaves in the antebellum South, did they have multi-million dollar contracts? Did they spend their whole lives training and just trying desperate to be slaves on some plantation? I don't, I don't think so. Now, What's funny, Colin Kaepernick opens up the the movie and he's dressed like this sort of clown version of Malcolm X, you know, like Marx observed, uh, history repeats itself first, first is tragedy, then is farce. We're in the farce portion of this sort of thing. What, what Colin Kaepernick is observing is that in, for slaves and for football players, the, the, the primary thing that matters is your physical health, right? You need for, for football players, they're really, they're, it's a primarily physical job. There's a little mental aspect to it too, a little bit of strategy, but it's mostly, you just got to be big and strong and fast and tough and well-coordinated. And so I guess that's true for physical laborers who were slaves. I guess that's true for all sorts of physical laborers. And Colin Kaepernick's very offended by this. The, athletics is about physical excellence. Okay. And unfortunately, Colin Kaepernick was not sufficiently excellent to (laughs) remain in the football league for very long. Fine. Not not everyone is. Very, very few people are. If Colin Kaepernick is upset that he he didn't pursue a more intellectual field, you know, it it may be he he regrets being, having a a physical career. He, He wishes that he were a paper pusher or something. He had a desk job. Well, okay. Then he should have spent his life cultivating it, cultivating his intellect, I guess. But he certainly, he certainly hasn't done that. There are, there are many football players who are pretty intellectual, actually. Colin Kaepernick is not, not one of them. 
And these theories are having serious ramifications for justice. Story came out just the other day. A group of forensic anthropologists are now arguing that trying to identify the race, the racial ancestry of skeletons, is a terrible thing. And they are urging their peers to stop doing the practice. So a forensic anthropologist is someone who looks at a dead body, looks at skeletons, and comes to conclusions about the people that those skeletons were, right? This is the height. This was the weight. This is the sex. This is, this is what they looked like. And the point of forensic anthropologists is to give people, to give investigators all of that information so that they can come to certain conclusions about how they ended up as skeletons. But the woke forensic anthropologists say ancestry estimation contributes to white supremacy. They say, uh, they're, they're using critical race theory, by the way. They're invoking critical race theory. They say that they, they need to continue to situate and contextualize our challenge to the use of macromorphoscopic traits, you know, physical traits, as well as introduce critiques of craniometric and dental morphological analysis, head size and teeth, in ancestry estimation. Don't you, how dare you come to racial conclusions about skeletons? What they're upset about is that different races of people look different. Now, it's a fact, right? Anyone with eyes can tell that different races of people look different. This is important, by the way, if you're trying to figure out who got murdered, who murdered who, who did, you know, to come to conclusions about criminal justice. But this is very bad because then we're suggesting that, that then the races have some physical differences. Obviously, it's absurd, but it gets to a, a real difference in, in strategy here. We all want a flourishing, just society. The left wants to get to a flourishing, just society by denying reality. The right wants to get to a flourishing and just society by dealing with reality and grappling with reality and, try, and not denying truths, even if they're politically incorrect and inconvenient. The left thinks the way that we're going to deal with racial problems is by denying that they exist, is by denying that on the one hand, denying that race exists at all. And then on the other hand, exclusively focusing on race, but only when it's conducive to their argument. That's not going to work. There was a, one of the uh, forensic anthropologists, San Jose State anthropologist Elizabeth Weiss said, quote, if forensic anthropologists abandon determining race, then they are going to be doing victims and their families a big disservice and are basically engaging in a dereliction of duty. Right. But what the woke people are going to say is, yeah, but it's worth it. Yeah, it's too bad. Victims of crimes and their families are, uh, unfortunately, they're not going to have justice. But at least then we can keep our head in the sand and deny these problems. I don't think that's going to help anybody. I think that's not very compassionate. I think it's going to make problems worse. Speaking of things to pretend to be offended by, a NASCAR driver is in a lot of trouble. There's this NASCAR driver. Uh, this NASCAR driver uh, came out and he used a word you're not allowed to say. Take a listen. Well, he drills my ass coming out of four for no reason. I mean, where was he going? What was he going to do? Spin me out? He was trying to do a Harvick is what he was trying to do. For what? For second place? To do what? He wasn't going to transfer through with that. Just freaking retarded, man. So stupid. I, I don't understand these guys. I should beat the shit out of him right now is what I should do, but that doesn't do me any good either. Why not? I mean, crafty 
and that I've already had to pay enough fines in my lifetime. I'm sure I'll get another one. <laughs> Spoken like a true NASCAR driver, really blunt, really direct. He didn't get in trouble for saying, I'm going to go beat the SHIT out of somebody. No, that's fine. <laughs> Talking about how he's going to go beat somebody up. That's totally fine. But he said a word you're not allowed to say. He said the word retarded. Retar- that's the R word. Some people are now calling it because he was saying this guy, he did something that was a little stupid, a little slow. He shouldn't have done that. That was retarded. And you're not allowed to say retarded anymore. Why not? Why not? Why can't we? What does retarded mean? Retarded means slow. It's literally what the word means. But we're not allowed to say that because some people are a little slower, right? This is if this is fallen world. We've all got defects. We've all got problems. None of us is born perfect. And so some, some people deal with that and that's a challenge in their lives. What, what we're seeing play out right now is something called the euphemism treadmill. That's what the uh, Harvard psychologist Steven Pinker dubbed it. It's this idea that l- certain uh, phrases and words will change over time. And political correctness has really taken this to a sort of an insane extreme because the condition that they describe is undesirable or difficult or painful. And so you just have to constantly paper over it with a new euphemism. Uh, You see this especially with a mental deficiency. So over the years, people with mental handicaps have been called simple, simpletons, idiots. That was a a clinical term. Moron, um, retarded, handicapped, handicapable. It's going to keep, it's going to keep changing. It's not going to help anybody. It's not going to fix anything to keep changing all of those words, but it's going to keep creating all of these euphemisms so that we can ignore things. For the left, what you say is much more important than what you do. The left around the West and in this country as well, openly advocate killing retarded people in the womb. Iceland bragged a couple of years ago. They said, we've, we've eliminated Down syndrome. We've eradicated Down syndrome. They didn't find a cure for Down syndrome. They just kill all the Down syndrome babies in the womb. They will kill them. In, in this country, there are doctors who will, I guess most, if not all of the doctors will, will say when you're, when you're pregnant, they'll say, okay, we're going to do a scan to see if your kid has, and they'll use whatever euphemism, but they'll, they'll, what they're really saying is we're going to scan to see if your kid's retarded. And then if your kid's retarded, you can kill him if you want. This is ghastly. This is ghastly stuff. So the conservative response to this is one, I don't want you scanning to see if my kid's retarded. I'm going to love my kid, no matter how my kid turns out. If he's got six fingers and 12 toes and has some mental handicap and looks, I don't care. I love my kid. And the left, you know what the left is going to say to that? How dare you use the word retarded? Say, you're going to kill him. What are you talking? I'm using a word to describe a reality and I want to love all of these people. But you're saying, no, 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 don't say the word. Don't describe the reality, but kill people that you don't like. Kill people who you find undesirable. For the, it's a very important lesson about political correctness. What you, and really just for the left's program broadly, what you say is much more important than what you do. Often what you say is a way to excuse really evil, heinous actions. This is very offensive. This is very wrong. Some left-wingers are waking up to this, by the way. 
Van Jones, who is a left winger. He goes on CNN all the time. I actually kind of get a kick out of Van Jones, especially because he got caught on a hidden camera one time admitting early on in the, the Trump presidency, admitting that the, the Russia hoax was a hoax and it was a nothing burger. And then he had to kind of walk it back because he, <laughs> he didn't mean to say that publicly. Van Jones just came out reacting to what happened in Virginia. And, and he said, he fears, hey, listen, fellow Democrats, I'm just putting this out there. I think we might be coming off is a little annoying and a little out of touch. I think that the Democrats are coming across in ways that we don't recognize that are annoying and offensive um, and seem out of touch in ways that I don't think show up in our feeds when we're looking at, at, at our kind of echo chamber. And I think that this is a message here. Better late than never, Van. You, you're on a mission of mercy to your fellow Democrats by telling them this because, yes, they are coming off as annoying and offensive, and extremely out of touch. And in a way, it's not their fault. I mean, it, it is, you know, they, they did this. They're responsible for their actions. But it's an easy trap to fall into. They are in their own echo chamber. Not in the same way that we talk about political polarization and everyone, because of social media, is only hearing from people they agree with. And No, it's, it's because of a much bigger social problem. The left controls everything. Right, so... If you're a right-winger in this country, no matter what kind of little tiny bubble you're in and you only go to dailywire.com ever and you don't look at any other way and you only talk to Republicans, even still, you will have to be exposed to left-wing views. There's no way around it. It's like a fish in water, okay? It's just all around. It's it's like the air that we breathe. Liberalism, leftism, progressivism, it's all there. And so you look at a billboard, you see it. You, You look at a movie preview, you see it. You talk to your friends and family, you see it, okay, and you know what their arguments are, and you look on big tech, I mean, you look at, you look in the schools, you look everywhere, you see it. The left does not have that misfortune, but really that advantage, at a deeper level, that advantage, because the left has no clue what we think. And there have been social scientific surveys to back up this idea. They have no clue what we, they have no clue how they come across. This is why they're always so shocked when they lose. That's why they don't really believe it when they lose. Sometimes we don't believe it when we lose an election, like in 2020, when they changed all the election rules right before the election, and then a bunch of ballots came in at three in the morning. And okay, I think we had some reason to question it. But generally, when we lose, we accept it. You know, 2012, we lost. You know, 2008, we lost. The left doesn't do that. They're still fighting the 2000 election, the 2018 gubernatorial election, the 2016 presidential election. They're still going to be fighting this thing in Virginia. They don't it, it, it just does not compute to them because they are almost never exposed to what about half the country thinks. Van Jones referred to the annoying, out-of-touch, offensive Democrats on, on CNN. One of them, one of the most prominent ones, is his colleague on CNN, Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter just went on a nine-minute monologue about what Donald Trump could possibly do over the next couple of years. I'm not going to subject you to all of it. We don't have time on the show to get to to all of this. I am going to punch in, though, uh, right around the six-and-a-half-minute mark, okay, where he's just whipping himself up into a frenzy of what Donald Trump is going to do if we don't stop him. Common ground erodes largely because there's no common media ground anymore. It's as if America has been swallowed up by QAnon conspiracy theories. 
freedom of expression feels trampled, muffled. And remember, as all of this is happening, as democracy deteriorates in 2024, Trump's enablers claim they are the ones protecting democracy. They think, or at least they pretend, that they are upholding the Declaration of Independence. They cloak their autocratic actions in the language of the Founding Fathers. They claim to be the most patriotic Americans of them all. And this narrative is advanced 24 hours a day by the ABC, the apps, the broadcasters, and the commentators who justify stomping all over the Constitution as an attempt to save it. The country is on pins and needles. Landlords board up downtown windows. Maybe looting starts, shooting starts. I'm not saying that all of this will happen, but I'm saying it could. We know it could happen because it has all happened before. Almost everything I have described has already happened. It, it has, Brian, you're right. It has already happened in one form or another. But I think you're getting the source of that problem a little wrong. I think you might be engaging in what psychologists call projection. There is no neutral, you know, middle ground media landscape anymore. There are lies that are being pervaded. They're pervading the culture. Business owners are boarding up their windows. There's political violence in the streets. Brian Stelter is pretending this could come from Republicans. It did come from Democrats on the media front for the past 50 years. On the violence front for 2020 from BLM, from Antifa, not from Trump. The so-called deadly insurrection didn't kill anybody. They pretended that the lying media said that it killed Officer Brian Sicknick. It turned out that was a lie. New York Times and Washington Post had to retract it. The, all of that violence came from the left. He doesn't see it. He says, we're not, we can't even trust each other anymore. We delegitimize the opposition in Trump's future America. In the right's media echo chamber, growing ever more extreme, the words Democrats and criminals are conflated constantly. So the other side loses legitimacy bit by bit by bit. The GOP media is on board with this. They're on board with the power grab at all costs, driven by fear of a changing country. Fear propelled by the likes of Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram, who bring up things like caravans right at key moments during the election. And all of this in 2022 helps the GOP regain control of the House. Members of the January 6th Sedition Caucus are now in control of the body that completes the Electoral College process. Now, some Democrats fret about what's going to happen in 2024. They worry if the insurrectionists will have the upper hand next time. But remember, in Trump world, up is down and day is night. And Trump keeps saying the insurrection was Biden's election. You know, in this horrible, scary future, the Republicans are going to delegitimize their opposition and say that they have no right to participate in the democracy. And they're all insurrectionists. <laughs> Brian, do you listen to yourself? Do you listen? He doesn't listen to himself. Every single thing that he is accusing Republicans of doing and, and really predicting that Republicans will do in the future, he himself is doing to his political opponents right now. And he's not even aware of it. Jennifer Rubin, the former pretend conservative columnist, now she basically admits she's a liberal columnist at the Washington Post. She tweeted out, quote, I realize critics say Dems have gone too far left, but that does not compute. The agenda is very popular. They simply haven't gotten over the finish line yet. Here it is. Here it is, folks. I, I'm, I don't think she's being cynical here. I think she really believes this. I think the left really believes this. Of course, the agenda is popular. If something just went wrong, because the agenda must be popular. 
because it is their agenda and it's progressive and they see the future and they know the way to utopia and it's going to be great. And everyone knows it. So the only way that they can lose an election is if something went wrong, there was a problem of, of understanding or interpretation, or if there was fraud. This is why they can't concede elections. Sometimes Republicans don't want to concede elections, especially when there's a, when they upend all the rules right beforehand. But much more often, it's the left that won't concede the elections because they can't, because they have to win. The agenda, by definition, their agenda must be popular, no matter what the parents in Loudoun County say. Some smart Republicans are, are seeing what this, this situation for what it is. Someone, someone down there in Florida, like Governor Ron DeSantis, who is now embracing this popular revolt, not just against one party, but really against kind of ruling class. He's embracing, let's go Brandon. When you look at the Biden, the Brandon administration in terms of what they're doing. <laughs> how that started like it was and, and like you know you have the media they're hand-wringing over this um, but you know it was at a NASCAR race and they're doing an interview with a driver I guess his name was Brandon and the crowd starts chanting very colorful language about Joe Biden and it was obvious that that they were doing and um, you know it, it is what it is first of all they said way worse about Trump for four years we know that um, but so they're chanting this, and so you have a reporter from NBC who knows that's what they're saying, and she's trying to cover for Biden, so she says, yeah, they're chanting, let's go, Brandon. And that was a lie, and it was a lie, and so the, this chant, I think, has taken on a life of its own because it exposes uh, the dishonesty of these corporate reporters and what they do every day to try to lie. This is what... DeSantis is getting that a lot of people don't get. Let's go. Brandon is not primarily about Joe Biden. They say F Joe Biden too, but it's not the let's go. Brandon chant is not primarily making fun of Biden. It's making fun of the media because the media lied about the F Joe Biden chant. And so now we're turning our ire on the media and on the whole establishment. And it's not the socialist policies of Joe. It's not. It's about this whole blob. It's this ugly thing where Joe Biden is a part of it, but it's much, much bigger than that. And that's why it's bringing in many more people than just your average, regular, rock-ribbed Republican. Learn the lessons, people. Learn the lessons, establishment Republicans. This is a big opportunity. There is a big popular uprising right now. Are we going to take that into 2022 and 2024 and actually do something and change the situation in this country for the better? Or are we going to stay mired in the past? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. 
Copyright Daily Wire 2021. On the Matt Wall Show, we talk about the things that matter, real issues that affect you, your family, our country, not just politics, but culture, faith, current events, all the fundamentals. If they matter to you, come check out the show.